Pelvic Rehab Research Podcast. My name is Becca Bissadolshensky, and I'll be your host guiding you as we take a deep dive into all things pelvic floor and research-based. Whether you're a pelvic newbie or a seasoned clinician, I'm here to help busy therapists listen through the Women's Health Study Guide. So if you're studying for the Women's Certified Specialist Exam or just interested in learning more about pelvic health research, we've got you covered. Hey everyone, we hit our first protected article that requires purchase. Since this requires purchase, I'm not able to just purchase it and read the article with my interpretation of it. What I can do is read the abstract for you. So we're going to do that. If you do end up purchasing it, great. It's an article by Rooks and Corwell on the female athlete triad, and you can find it in the Current Opinions in Orthopedics, the April 2006 edition. It's about five pages long. Since we're kind of doing the quick and dirty version of the Rooks 2006 article, I wanted to go ahead into the article that follows it as well. So that article is the Anorexia and Bulimia and the Female Athlete Triad Evaluation and Management. So you're getting a two-for-one special today. Okay, so let's go over the Rooks and Corwell's piece on the Female Athlete Triad. So the purpose of review was that this article is to provide some background and describe the three components of the Female Athlete Triad. Recent findings include there are three medical conditions within the Female Athlete Triad, that are interrelated in terms of origins and associated results. Individually, those ailments can affect an athlete's ability to perform and ultimately increase the risk of injury and possibly even death. Early recognition of the triad can be accomplished by thorough risk factor assessment and screening questions, a collaborative effort among coaches, athletic trainers, parents, athletes, and physicians is optimal for the recognition and prevention of the triad. So in summary, in a time of expanding opportunities for young female athletes, increasing participation in sports has been noticed. Participation in sports has led to significant health benefits in women. Several medical disorders, however, have also become more prevalent as the number of female athletes has increased. The female athlete triad, defined as the combination of disordered eating, amenorrhea, and osteoporosis, was first defined in 1993. The female athlete, driven to excel in her chosen sport, may be at risk of developing this potentially lethal triad of medical disorders. All right, so there's your quick and dirty version. Let's move into the article by two physicians, Felicia A. Mendelson and Michelle P. Warren on anorexia and bulimia and the female athlete triad. They go into more on the evaluation and management as well here. Anorexia nervosa is characterized by a triad of amenorrhea, weight loss, and psychiatric disturbance. According to the definition in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-4, the diagnosis of anorexia nervosa requires four criteria. One, a refusal to maintain weight within a normal range for height and age, so that's more than 15% below ideal body weight. Two, intense fear of gaining weight or getting fat. Three, severe body image disturbance or denial in the seriousness of current low body weight. And four, the absence of the menstrual cycle for greater than three cycles in postmenarchal females. From there, anorexia is broken into two subtypes, restriction and binge eating and purging. Patients with the restricting subtype primarily use restriction of food intake to reduce their weight, whereas those suffering with the binging and purging subtype tend to use vomiting, laxatives, or diuretics to control their weight. To be noted, either subtype may also engage in compulsive exercise as a means to reduce weight. The criteria for the diagnosis of bulimia nervosa listed in the DSM-4 include recurrent episodes of binge eating with a sense of lack of control, recurrent inappropriate compensatory behavior to prevent weight gain, the binge eating and compensatory behavior to occur at least twice per week for three months, and a self-evaluation only influenced by body shape and weight. Bulimia is then broken down into purging and non-purging types. 
The prevalence of those disorders has been increasing with the lifetime prevalence of anorexia nervosa in women at 0.3% to 1% and a prevalence rates of 1% to 1.5% for bulimia. Many more, so like 3 to 5%, have disordered eating but do not fulfill the strict criteria for anorexia or bulimia. We know these conditions are more often likely in females, not to say that they don't occur in males, but in anorexia alone, this is a ratio in favor of women at 10 to 1. Something important to note is that the physical consequences of these disorders can include hypothalamic amenorrhea, low peak bone mass, stress fractures, and infertility. So what are we looking for in our athletes who present with symptoms for anorexia outside of weight loss? Common physical symptoms associated with anorexia include constipation, intolerance to cold, dry skin, and hair loss. Lanugo hair type may also be present on the body. So this is often found on babies, but is thought to be present on anorexia patients as a mechanism to help warm the body when there's such low levels of fat. We may see other obvious signs like bradycardia, hypoglycemia, hypotension, hypothermia, dehydration, and electrolyte deficits. Some not as obvious signs may include things like pedaledema and a cryocyanosis. A cryocyanosis means bluish discoloration of the extremities due to the decreased amount of oxygen delivered to the peripheral part. In bulimia, some specific features we can look for would be related to those purging episodes. So this would include parotid gland enlargement from vomiting, erosion of the enamel on the anterior surface of the teeth because of that chronic acid exposure, and Russell's sign, which I wasn't familiar with, which is signifying skin lesions on fingers used to induce vomiting. I thought it was also an interesting note that the incidence of menstrual irregularity with bulimia is highly variable, so that may not be an identifier. Let's talk about hormonal abnormalities. Anorexia is associated with multiple hormonal abnormalities and has been more extensively studied than bulimia. Regarding bone mineral density, lone bone mass in persons with bulimia is usually associated with a prior history of anorexia. Functional hypothalamic amenorrhea is now a required element of the diagnosis of anorexia. Hormonal changes in functions can get confusing, so let's go over the underlying pathophysiology and hypothalamic amenorrhea that women with anorexia are experiencing. Hypothalamic amenorrhea is due to a suppression of gonadotropin secretion due to a decrease in pulse amplitude or frequency of gonadotropin-releasing hormone, or GnRH. This decrease in pulse amplitude and frequency of GnRH is coming from the hypothalamus, hence hypothalamic amenorrhea. All right, stay with me here. When that GnRH pulse declines, so does our luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone. Luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone stimulate the ovaries every 60 to 90 minutes. With decreased ovary stimulation comes decreased estrogen. So this is a cascade of effects that begins with the GnRH. Any negative change to the metabolic signal like inadequate nutritional intake, abnormal eating behavior, excessive exercise, and weight loss can suppress normal GnRH pulsatility. Something I thought was interesting, in one study, the administration of human leptin restored an ovulatory menstrual cycle in three of eight subjects with functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. If you forget, a reduction in a woman's percentage of body fat can lead to a reduction in leptin. So leptin is an important adipokine associated with body fat and menses. So in one study, the administration of human leptin restored an ovulatory menstrual cycle in three of eight subjects with functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. In three of eight subjects with amenorrhea, 
they actually restore the ovulatory menstrual cycle. So that suggests that this hormone can potentially reverse the suppression caused by energy deficiency. Another hormone that also affects GnRH pulsatility is ghrelin. Ghrelin is a peptide secreted by the cells of the stomach and is thought to be both a short-term regulator of food intake and a regulator of long-term energy balance. What they found with ghrelin is that it may help to explain why women who have regained normal weight or cease to exercise but still show that distorted eating pattern can have a prolongation of amenorrhea. Okay, one more peptide. Let's talk about PYY. PYY is short for peptide YY. I don't know what the YY stands for and I'm not really sure that it matters. What does matter is that it's an anorexogenic peptide derived from the gut and is secreted in response to caloric intake. Patients with anorexia have been found to have elevated levels of PYY. Elevated PYY levels also correlate with changes in bone markers, signifying decreased turnover of the bone, and may contribute to bone loss. Speaking of bone loss, anorexia can result in delayed menses. The adolescent years are a period of crucial bone development, and girls with amenorrhea may not achieve optimal bone mass because of this. So failure to reach an optimal peak bone mass will put those girls at a greater risk of fracture even later in life, particularly when they're postmenopausal. Other hormonal abnormalities seen in patients with anorexia includes low free testosterone levels and low DHEAS in some studies. These hormones contribute to bone loss as well as some of the psychiatric comorbidities associated with anorexia, such as anxiety and depression. Cortisol levels are often noted in anorexic patients compared to controls, as well as a resistance to growth hormone. The resistance to growth hormone is noted by the elevated growth hormone levels and low insulin-like growth factor. What's positive is that abnormalities in GH levels have been shown to reverse with refeeding. So we know that oral contraceptives are controversial regarding the management of bone density. One study looked at a combination of oral contraceptives and that insulin-like growth factor. Remember, we just mentioned with anorexia, they noted that the GH is elevated and the insulin-like growth factor was low. So 60 osteoporotic women were treated with IGF-1, that insulin growth factor, for nine months and had small beneficial changes to their bone density particularly when combined with oral contraceptives. That insulin-like growth factor isn't FDA approved for that indication though. Nutritional deficiencies alone can lead to bone loss, but reversing caloric restriction can lead to large increases in bone density. One study showed improvement in bone formation is directly related to refeeding. It's also possible that restoring menses may positively affect bone mass. One study with women with anorexia who underwent an intensive three-month nutritional rehab program showed significant weight gain resulted in an increase in bone mineral density at both the spine and the hip. Even further, if their weight was maintained, the bone density can improve by almost one standard deviation within one year. Malnutrition associated with anorexia can also lead to changes in thyroid levels. T3 levels are usually low. T4 levels can be decreased in some patients with anorexia too. Thyroid stimulating hormone, or commonly known as TSH, levels may be within the normal range or mildly reduced. Since those physiological changes are due to malnutrition, it's not thought that patients should be treated with replacement hormones. Rather, refeeding is the better option. Okay, now that we've gone over all those hormonal changes, let's talk about the female athlete triad that includes disordered eating. Remember that the components include disordered eating, not necessarily the eating disorders mentioned here. I do think it's helpful to see how eating disorders affect the hormone levels and physiology in order to better understand the triad. 
I've probably said this 20 times, but here it is again. The triad of disorders includes disordered eating, amenorrhea, and osteoporosis. Here's some statistics the article lays out on menses, eating disorders, and bone density. A few studies comparing eating disorders in elite athletes to the general population showed the following. In a study in Australia, 31% of the female athletes in thin-billed sports had eating disorders compared to 5.5% of the control population. In Norway, 25% of female athletes competing in endurance sports, aesthetic sports, and weight class sports had a clinical eating disorder compared with 9% of the general control population. In Brazil, only looking at elite swimmers without comparison to the general public, 44.9% of the athletes met the criteria for disordered eating, 19% for menstrual regularity, and 15% for low bone mass. For menses changes, the presence of primary amenorrhea is found in less than 1% of the general population, but has been demonstrated in more than 22% of college girls competing in cheerleading, diving, and gymnastics. Secondary amenorrhea has been shown in 2% to 5% of the general population, versus up to 69% of ballet dancers and 65% of long-distance runners. For low bone mineral density, investigators found a prevalence in female athletes of osteopenia from 22% to 50%, and a prevalence of osteoporosis between 0 and 13%, compared with only 12% and 2.3% respectively in a normal population. The current description of the female athlete triad focuses on low energy availability as the key disorder underlying all of the components of the triad. When energy availability is not sufficient to promote survival, natural mechanisms will reduce the amount of energy used for growth and reproduction. Suppression of bone formation and an increase in bone resorption is most likely due to nutritional factors as the lack of estrogen causes an increase in both formation and resorption. It is possible that it is actually an energy deficit that is affecting bone metabolism in these women. Bone strength and the risk for fracture depends on multiple variables including bone mineral density, the internal structure of the bone mineral, and the quality of the bone protein. Current tools for screening and diagnosis of osteoporosis are based solely on bone mineral density. The American College of Sports Medicine, or ACSM, defines low bone mineral density as a history for nutritional deficiencies, hypoestrogenism, stress fractures, or other secondary clinical risk factors for fracture, together with a BMDZ score between negative 1 and negative 2. Meanwhile, ACSM defines osteoporosis as a secondary clinical risk factor for fracture with BMD Z-scores less than or equal to negative 2. So Z-scores are encouraged by the International Society for Clinical Densitometry, or ISCD. DEXA scores are reported as T-scores and Z-scores. The T-score is a comparison of a person's bone density with that of a healthy 30-year-old of the same sex. The Z-score is a comparison of a person of the same age and the same sex. So on to screening. The optimal timing of screening for the female athlete triad should occur at the physical examination before participating in a sport or at annual health checkups. There are other opportunities though, like visits for stress fractures or changes in menses. If a female athlete is found to have one component of the triad, she should be evaluated for the other components of the triad too. Patient history should include energy intake, diet, weight fluctuations, exercise regimen, past and current menstrual status, and prior stress fractures. For physical exam, height, weight, and vitals are important. Looking for those signs we talked about earlier like bradycardia, orthostatic hypotension, 
cold feet and hands, and now that Lanugo hair, if you never heard of it. Now this is by two physicians, so obviously not every PT clinic does this for an intake. They also include discussion of running labs for thyroid, urinalysis, and electrolytes. A DEXA scan could be indicated, especially for those after a stress fracture or a fracture from minimal trauma or after amenorrhea, oligomenorrhea, or disordered eating have been present for six months. DEXA scans should be repeated after 12 months in those patients who have persistent disorders of the female athlete triad at that time. For treatment, prevention and treatment of the female athlete triad should involve multiple specialists, a physician, a dietitian, and a mental health practitioner if an ED is present. This article didn't mention a PT, but it did mention an athletic trainer, coach, and exercise physiologist. Adequate amounts of vitamins including calcium, 1,000 to 1,300 milligrams a day, and vitamin D should be consumed through a combination of healthy diet and supplements if needed. Athletes with eating disorders who do not comply with treatment may need to be restricted from training or competition. Pharmacologic interventions with hormone replacement therapy or oral contraceptives will not completely reverse the underlying mechanisms causing impairment of bone formation, and therefore such treatment alone will not fully restore bone mineral density. Alright, so what are the take-home points? The female athlete triad is an increasingly prevalent condition involving disordered eating, amenorrhea, and osteoporosis. Remember, an athlete can suffer from all three of the components of the triad or just one or two of the individual conditions. The main element underlying all the aspects of the triad is low energy availability. Good nutrition is also arguably the most important determinant of return of menses and improvement in bone density. Screening is important, and prevention and treatment should involve a team approach. I won't hold it against this article that PTs weren't included. If you're a hormone junkie like I am, you might have enjoyed the review of the cascade of changes with disordered eating. We have two articles left in week two. Next up is by Warren from 2001 on the effects of intense exercise on the female reproductive system. Hope to see you all listening there. Bye everyone.